Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. We had a wonderful conversation with Simon Dealey, CEO and founder at Remodify.work. We digged into self-awareness, consciousness, and his path into finding a more fulfilling life and a more fulfilling work experience. So I think this got this. I think this has. So I think this has got some very practical tips for all of you to enjoy and start finding work more fulfilling. Enjoy it. And recording, Simon Dilly. Dilly, am I saying it correctly? Yeah, Simon Dilly. Simon Dilly, thank you so much for joining us today once again on another session of Fulfilling Work Life. Thank you, everyone who has joined us. Uh, we are live on Zoom and also live on Facebook. Um, Simon Dilly with Remodified.work. And, and Simon, uh, I know... Um, how big you are on on fulfillment, on self awareness, and on 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 such conversation. So I really want to take a second to to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank you for the time that you're going to spend with us, and I hope that uh, everyone who is joining us finds this time to also be uh, fulfilling for for their lives and for what what they're trying to do. So Simon, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Excellent, Simon. Um, let's start from the from the very beginning. But right before we went live, uh, we were talking that you are in, in Bristol. So, so are you originally from the UK? How 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 did you end up in Bristol? Tell me that story. Yeah. Okay. So I think I'm I'm pretty much as far away from being a digital nomad now as you can be while while remote working. So I've had a, a life that, on a global scale, is very concentrated in in one region. And uh, actually, my, my background, my family, my sisters, they all still live in the area that I grew up, which is around uh, a town called Stourbridge, which is near Birmingham in the Midlands of England. Uh, I moved away from there when I was 18 to go to university in Cardiff. And you were telling me you lived not far from Cardiff for a couple of years. Um, and then my first job in the electronic and software industry was in Bristol. So Bristol is... Uh, has a, a quite a big tech scene and so ever since then I've had jobs in the tech sector for startups and sometimes bigger companies um, in Bristol and I met my wife shortly after I moved here and so we have two children aged 11 and 8. Bristol's a great town to raise children in. There's so much really uh, such a huge range of different cultural aspects from kind of fine art to really grungy cutting edge music and uh, massive party scene and a lot of the festivals in the south of the UK have some connection to Bristol as well so it's quite you know uh, politically liberal and uh, forward-looking place uh, yeah so we love it here and I've been here since 2002-3 I think yeah Excellent. Thank you so much. And, and, and you know, I was really inspired uh, to talk to you, especially when I saw, um, you know, uh, for, for, for those of you guys who want to know what, what Simon is doing, uh, please, please go right now to remodify.work. 
And uh, the first thing you're going to read in there is Journey to Your Remote Work Best Practice with Authenticity, Purpose, and Courage. And I, I, I always thought that that was like a very interesting, like choice of words. Uh, you, you, sometimes it feels like, you know, to say courage, it feels a bit aggressive. It feels like it's like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's action. It feels like if you are, if you're self-aware, you just don't do anything. You just stay quiet. You just don't move. <laughs> like, it's just like, you're, you're so peaceful. But, but Simon, how, how, how did Remodified or work happened? And how did you get to that step in your life? Yeah. So the bridge from the technology industry was via a company called Ocado. And in the UK, Ocado is known as an online supermarket, but actually it's a technology company uh, that employs a couple of thousand engineers who do everything from robotics to civil engineering type, like huge buildings, warehouse automation. So loads of software engineering. And I joined uh, because the chief operating officer at that time wanted to decouple the growth of the company from real estate. But they realized, uh, so within that company, their kind of company creed was trust, autonomy, and stuff like that. So they realized that remote working isn't simply doing the same work, but not coming to the office. Remote working is a cultural uh, practice, or you know, a set of skills, and takes a different approach than uh, than the office-based approach. So I joined to create their first fully remote team um, and led, created that team and led it as a, as a software engineering manager. Um, in order to do that, uh, I had worked remotely in the past and I'd done a lot of building of teams and leading of teams in the past. But this was the first time I had the opportunity to really throw myself into understanding what is remote working best practice? What are the teams that have done the, become the most successful at this? What, what did they do? And because one of the characteristics of high performing remote teams is that they have these, uh, they have a great deal of openness and transparency. They are very organized about keeping their information and making that available. And that quite often extends beyond the boundaries of the company. So, um, GitLab, for instance, have open sourced essentially all of their company policies and procedures and companies like um, Buffer and um, uh, Basecamp and so on. You know, there are books, there are blogs, there are podcasts, There's all the, the leading lights in the field have done absolutely loads to make it well known, not only what they do that's so successful, but how they got there and what they did that failed as well along the way. Um, so I, I got to spend a really good chunk of time getting to grips with this information and trying to apply it within Ocado. Um, unfortunately, there was a change in the top management in Ocado and the project that I was working on to, um, in, like, to have this remote working capability got canned, which is a shame because I was really enjoying it and I thought it was going quite well. Um, and it was going well, but wasn't wanted anymore. Um, but during that time, I realized that all the things that I'd come to believe about team performance, about this, you know, being your authentic self at work and uh, bringing your whole self to your work relationships and, uh, and all that, the courage and the purpose led kind of um, foundation for good teamwork. That is even more true in remote work than in the, in the office based work that I'd had experience with up until then. 
And for the teams that are doing the best at this, engagement is higher, satisfaction is higher. Like the vast majority of people who are working remotely would recommend it and want to continue working remotely. You end up with a life that is more balanced, that you have more control over. You're more likely to end up with work that, um, that uh, matches your own purpose in life because you can search further afield for the work and companies that you have an affinity with don't have to be in the town that you want to live in for you to work for them. They could be, you know, a hundred miles away, a thousand miles away, and you can still find that group of people that you really feel has the same purpose as you. So yeah, I became totally convinced that remote work is better for people, uh, results for companies are better, and I think it's going to be better for society as well. So I decided, as I was having to change jobs anyway, that I would try to make my uh, future work about bringing more remote work to more people, helping them do it really well so that they get to access uh, the fulfillment that working on things that meet your purpose in life and working with people who care about the same things as you. I want people to have that. And I think remote working is a route. So that's what I want to do. Make there be more. And, 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 and it's very interesting because if we were having this conversation, I'm going to say um, maybe um, three months ago, um, mm -hmm. most people would say, Oh, that's, that's a nice, um, that's a nice mission that you have right there, Simon. Yeah, at some point, maybe, maybe, maybe some people will want to work remote. Today, now the conversation is different. Now, now everyone is like, oh, wow, you're, you're a visionary. You, you, you think differently. How have you seen that change in your you know, surrounding context? Do, do you see more people interested in talking to you, learning about what you do, working directly with you as clients, let's, let's call it now? Hmm. Yeah, good question. It's a, it's a very double-edged sword because... Um, obviously there's more, let's call it interest. There's more need for, there's more working from home happening. That's for sure. Um, but remote team working is more than working from home. And the, so interest in some things is higher. What tools do I use? For instance, you know, how do I have a better meeting? Where, where we haven't got to yet, I think maybe the conversation's getting there now, is how do we look after people's well-being? How do we sustain what we have? How do we build on what we have so that we keep the benefits but don't fall into the traps that are waiting for us in terms of uh, disengagement? So when people are at home, it's a lot harder to stay connected to the mission of the company. It's a lot harder to stay connected to your teammates and things like that. So I think a lot of companies have had to go through an emergency response because the nature of their business changed. Maybe the market they were operating in just disappeared and they've had to retarget their products to, you know, and what, what can this company do in these conditions? Who can we serve? And so on have been the big questions. And then of course there's keeping business processes going. So like customer service people suddenly working from home and have they got an environment that's fit for talking to customers on the phone and how do they manage their time? And what about their children that they're, schooling on the side in the you know in the other part of the house um i don't think we've yet got to the part that's really going to matter in terms of um the benefit to society in the long run and benefit to people in the long run which is how do we do this sustainably how do we do it and look after people how do we make sure that people's social needs are met how do we have teams that feel coherent and 
uh, and identify with one another. Um, but my big hope is that, and uh, this is borne out by surveys where employers and employees are predicting greater demand for remote work in the future based on the experience that people are having now. Um, yeah, but the big question is how, how do we build that into companies for the future? How do we build it into society for the future? I don't think we've quite got to that yet, but I think maybe that's what we're getting into just now. And I think that that's, that's a really good point that you bring up. And, and, and earlier you were mentioning some companies were forced to, to, to be here. And, and that makes a huge difference. I know for, for some might say, no, that is the same. But it, it is not. It is not when you consciously as a company decide that you are going to be working on remote work. Because then you know that there are going to be challenges. And then you are committed to... Um, you know, tackling those challenges together. Now there is a compromise, but if there is no compromise, when you are forced to do it, there might be an expectation on the employee, in to put it in those terms, not the team member, the employee, to like take you know action and, and make it work. And the company is like, well, you 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 work here, so make it work. So I have a question for you, Simon. I know a lot of uh, you guys that are listening to this or are watching this are probably wondering, maybe I'm not as lucky to be at, at that place where I am supposed to work, or maybe my company is not super open to remote work yet. We're just doing it because. What are some of, or what, what, what could you advise us that we do to, to cope with, you know, the potential stress and anxiety that can come from these um, this, this expectations that are not completely settled? How do we approach that situation? What do you recommend we, we could do with, with our companies, with our team members and, and personally? Hmm. So let me check I'm understanding the question. So you're saying that where there's a difference in the motivation or a difference in the, the desire that's expressed by workers and the company that they're working in. So maybe the uh, employee is thinking, actually, this is okay. I get to spend more time with my kids. I don't have a commute anymore. Uh, but the company is thinking, oh, this is a nightmare. You know, it's a, it's a stone in our shoe and the sooner we can just like sit on a wall and shake that stone out, the better. Correct. Um, how do we, yeah. Oh, that is a difficult question. Oh, um, <laughs> so, so going back to what you were saying right at the, at the beginning, my thing being authenticity, purpose and courage, right? I think the first question to ask yourself is, are you in a position to have a conversation with your line manager, your colleagues, the um, chief people person, the, you know, depending on the size of your company, maybe you have access to these people, maybe you don't. Are you in a position to have the conversation with the people who might have some influence if you don't yourself? To actually bring to the surface, what do you value about this? What are your concerns about this? Because a lot of what we're talking about is a change program, right? Like a lot of companies have gone through digital transformations and things like that. These huge change programs that try to bring companies, update their culture, update their processes and make them more fit for a future purpose. And essentially a, a change program is being forced on companies. To make something like a change program succeed, mm. there needs to be alignment between the people who are going to have to do the work to make it happen. And that alignment needs to be durable enough and the motive needs to be urgent enough to make sure that action happens now, but to also make sure that that sticks later on. 
the only alignment doesn't mean everyone thinks the same. What it means is they have compatible um, ideas about what the future will be like, compatible motives. So it could be that upper management are motivated more by cost savings and individual workers are motivated more by personal freedom. That doesn't mean that those things are incompatible. Maybe there's a combination of things that means everyone can get what they want. So my, my advice would be to get into a position where everyone is able to surface what matters to them, what is important to them in their lives, what is important to them in their work, you know, what are they getting that's beneficial to them, what are they getting that what's happening that's painful for them, and understand as much about each other's perspectives as possible so that when you have the next part of the conversation, which is what shall we try, what shall we do next, then you actually understand other people's perspectives. You understand why they like or dislike the thing, why they react to a thing in a certain way, why even though they've promised to do something, maybe they find it difficult to do that. You know, it's not that people, it's often not that people don't want to, it's that their, in their bubble of reality guides them to act in a certain way. Your bubble of reality guides you to act in a certain way. And sometimes from the perspective of somebody else's bubble, it's very confusing. The only antidote to that is to talk to each other, understand perspectives more. So I would definitely recommend that anyone who wants to see a change stick and is worried about whether that's going to happen, tries to find out more about other people's perspectives. And thank you so much for bringing that up because as you were mentioning, then, then what I was thinking about is we often think that a remote, like well, what makes remote work uh, work is that we have Slack and uh, we use email correctly or that we use uh, documentation correctly. So I wanted to ask you from your perspective, uh, what are the levels of communication that are absolutely, and, and you touched upon this a little bit already, uh, but what are the levels of communication that you think are needed to make remote work possible at an organization? Yeah, so is it um, Matt Mullenweg, the um, CEO of Automatic recently, uh, something that he might have written it a while ago, I can't remember, has been a very popular kind of meme in this area is he identifies five levels of remote work and I think there's something about communication in there but this idea of levels is a good one I think so at the very lowest level everyone should have access to the information that they need to do their job when they need it right so that and that should be stored and organized and accessible you shouldn't have things happening like um oh yeah, I had a copy of that spreadsheet in my email last week. It might be the latest one. I'll just update it and I'll email it to some other people. No, that, that very quickly goes badly wrong and, and you won't find out about it because you won't overhear someone being confused as you would have done in an office. So there's, that, there's the very, very basic level. Then there's kind of, um, let's say, more strategic communications, like what is the mission of the company? What are the latest results? Which customers are we targeting or... Uh, you know, what's, what, where are we focusing our efforts? So that kind of communication uh, that you might do in all hands meetings or you might have posters on the wall in the, in the lobby of the building or something like that. How, how do you do that now? How do you have this kind of pervasive drip, drip, drip type communication? So there's, there's all that to be concerned about on a more organisational level. Um, within teams, there's how do you make time for people to genuinely get to know each other, to come to care about each other. Um, 
So there's support from the management level for things like if you find an entire team, a, a team has spent an entire afternoon playing games, then that needs to be okay. That kind of behavior needs to be okay because they need those relationships to do a good job of their work and they need support from managers to say, yes, that is a valuable way to spend our time. So there's that kind of uh, communication for purposes other than work needs to happen for the group to come together and to feel identified as one group and to you know, be more of a community than just a collection of people who happen to get paid by the same legal entity. Um, and then I think there's also uh, all the cultural stuff, right, at the company level. How do you, what, do you know what your culture is? What is it that brings you together as a tribe on a big scale? How do you relate to the rest of the world and the communities that you're involved in? So your customer communities and maybe the, the local, geographically local communities to your workforce. How do you do all that communication, which is more like, um, public relations, Marcoms type stuff. Um, so yeah, we've got, I mean, there's so many, so many different aspects to this, but I think what ties them all together is that when people work physically together, they rely a lot on their intuition to understand how somebody else is feeling, um, whether they're interested or not interested in what you're saying, whether they're in a good or bad mood, if they look tired and all of those things. When you are physically separated and you've only got, a, like we are now, a black plastic square to interact with everyone through, you need your self-awareness, you need your empathy, uh, you need to be attuned to what the other, other people might be feeling but you also need to communicate with them to say things this is where courage comes into it to say things like i'm concerned that something that i've done appears to have upset you i could be wrong what's happening and then you need to be able to listen to the other person while they tell you oh no no it's just that i'm tired you know my kids got up in the middle of the night or they might say actually yeah i was a bit annoyed because you wrote a message and it seemed like you were taking credit for some of my work and you know and you have to be able to have those conversations because you're not going to sort it out over coffee when you bump into them in the kitchen you're not going to sort it out over beers in a bar after work if you don't do that with intention if you don't do it with courage it won't get done and so i think probably that's the most important uh, characteristic of communication is it needs to be a lot more intentional and a lot more courageous because you don't have these backup mechanisms of your intuition anymore. Fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, for that insight. And, uh, you know, one of the um, kind of like common elements and, and from all of the 40 or so interviews that we've had, uh, one of the, those common elements come, come out in, in almost every conversation. And, and, it's, and, and I hear from you when you're talking about like coming back to the individual. It's almost like there is a, a high level of responsibility on the individuals to make a lot of this work. And, and we're not only talking about remote work, right? We're talking about making work work, specifically about remote work now. Um, but making all of these things work start with the individual. Um, what would be your, your, your comment, your recommendation for the professionals that are listening to this, that perhaps are struggling with, with anxiety, that are struggling with stress, 
with with metrics with the fact that it it's not the same to interact with team members and perhaps you're just feeling so overwhelmed by everything not not let's not talk about the details of like what it's making us anxious about this but w- what is what is your advice where do we start if, if i don't even know where to go i just don't even know what to say how do i like center myself how do i find any i don't know uh and and that's that's why i'm asking the question in this way because that's how at some time at some point we feel right like we just what what do i do when if we are in that position professionally speaking uh what would be your recommendation i mean this is a pretty big question right because uh people have studied this question for thousands of years like this is the, at the heart of quite a lot of spiritual stuff. How do we do this? How, do, how are we okay with ourselves? How are we okay with the world, which is chaotic as it is and uncontrollable as it is, but yet we want to go through life feeling okay about it? How do we do that? I don't know. Right? <laughs> but Great. I, I do have, I mean, there isn't an answer for, ev- I don't think there's an answer for everyone, but if you can look at what what of the which of these spiritual teachings not necessarily like really religious but the spiritual teachings uh, relating to mindfulness acceptance of the world as it is which of those feel accessible to you so for me um i've come from a very technical background for the larger part of my life i was quite resistant to these fluffy you know nebulous ideas about about uh being at one with the universe and stuff like that but over the last few years i've actually had a bit of an epiphany i suppose where i've come to value these kinds of things a lot more um and so i think the route in will be different for every person but i would definitely recommend finding your route in to mindfulness self-awareness the ideas of self-acceptance and acceptance of the world as it is because what you get then is the ability at least some of the time to adopt a a, I don't want to say higher because it sounds like better but uh, an external perspective on what's happening in your life and the effect that it's having on you so that you can you can have you can be This sounds very silly to say, but my experience is that you can be anxious and at the same time be calmly inspecting the nature of that anxiety, the effect that it's having on your body, the the external influences that are generating that in you. And you you can simultaneously be in the grip of it and be external to it. That's what mindfulness gives you is the ability to leave that whirlwind of thoughts and step outside of it and go, wow, what an interesting whirlwind of thoughts. (laughs) And you might get sucked back into it again because we're all human and sometimes we become overtaken and swept away. But the more that you practice mindfulness, the more you can switch out of that and have that perspective and, you know, return to, you, you use the word centered, return to a calm and centered state, even in the middle of a whirlwind. So yeah, for me, it was, um, uh, there's on self-acceptance, there's, um, Brené Brown at the moment. I find her very accessible. 
Um, in the sort of edges of spirituality, uh, Eckhart Tolle is very popular at the moment. Um, so that's about acceptance of the world as it is and, and so on. Uh, and then there's a book called Wherever You Go, Where There You Are by Jacob Kabat-Zinn, I think. That is good for people who are saying mindfulness, meditation, I don't know about this. Where's the evidence? He was a, um, what was he? Some kind of like uh, neurologist or something like that. I can't remember now. Uh, but is very, very much approaches meditation from a scientific perspective. So for anyone in the tech industry, that could be a good way into getting to know about this stuff, getting to value this stuff and feeling okay about it without feeling silly. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd recommend. Thank you so much. And, and, and I think for those of you guys um, who are perhaps not, not like aware of these conversations, um, there's also Sam Harris. Sam Harris also approaches it from like a very, I'm going to say scientific way, which is like, okay, this is, this is no religious. There is no deep like insights into this. this you can do this. Uh, but at the same time, I do believe that there are certain practices that absolutely help you understand yourself and help you understand, you know, or, or be, or be self-aware. Um, and, and Simon, I want to ask you uh, what are some of your practices and, and i'm completely aware that what works for you might not work for everyone else but your journey might help us understand how do we also get to find ourselves in in, in that process yeah i'll give you quite a silly personal one um and i'm thinking i was thinking about writing about this but i can't get it maybe this will help me i'll try and explain it to you so i think that um so I, I feel silly. I'm regretting having started this, but I'm going to go for it now. <laughs> so when I have the presence of mind to do it, I use my shower as a tool to cultivate various different elements that I think help me. So um, at, the end of my, at the end of my shower, after I've actually got myself clean, uh, I switch it to cold and in switching it to cold that is me exercising my will to do something that I don't have to do that is in some ways unpleasant right it's going to be a shock the water's going to go cold but I do that anyway so I, I exercise my own willpower to do something quite you know that I would really most of the time really rather not do and I think that's quite developing that ability to do something even though you feel like not doing it that's quite useful and then when the water's streaming down I use it so quite often in meditation you do a body scan kind of meditation how are your how are the soles of your feet feeling how are you how, you know how are your legs go up to your knees try and put your attention into different parts of your body so using the cold water, I can do that. I can put the cold water on a certain part of my body and I can feel how is that feeling. And then you'll get other things like some of the water will be splashing somewhere else. And so I can either choose to focus my attention in the place of my choosing or I can choose to broaden it out and feel, try and feel the whole, what is the whole thing like. So that helps me practice directing my attention, narrowing my attention, broadening my attention. Uh, there's also things like when it starts, I have this, in, like I lose control of my breath. 
you know, when, when you're nice and warm and then suddenly ice cold water hits you, there's all that like gasping and stuff. That's one of those times when you can step out of the flow of what's happening to you and look, try and look at it. So rather than regaining control of my breath, I spend a little bit of time sometimes trying to just observe what's happening without controlling it, which I think is quite a good mindfulness practice if you can. So I have no control over this. What's it like? That's a very kind of mindful position to take on things. Um, and then again, there's the willpower at the end. Sometimes my arm, without me asking it to, will go up and try to turn the shower off because it's cold. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll turn the shower off and I'll be out of the shower drying myself. I won't even notice. I won't have made a decision to do that. It will have just happened. And other times I will kind of stand with my hand on the shower going, no, just, just a moment longer. So exerting my will again, but also there's a thing that I find valuable about learning to be comfortable with discomfort so sometimes you're in a situation that you don't like if you can accept that discomfort you know so be comfortable with discomfort sometimes you will be uncomfortable that happens that's okay you can get through that so yeah I use my shower in all these different ways sometimes uh, to help me practice these different elements and uh, yeah, so uh, I'm a long way, maybe a long way from what the question was. You were asking me, what do I do? There's one, there's one thing that has all those different many layers. And I think I'm definitely um, rightly accused of overthinking things sometimes. But that for me is, is a morning shower. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. That is, that is so awesome because, and, and, and I remember the first time I was encountered with the conversation of self-awareness, mindfulness, is when I first started realizing that even if I was uh, someone... Uh, that you would consider spiritual, even religious, uh, you, you would say, well, you, you don't really have the practices. <laughs> you don't have the habits. And habits, um, if, you, if you start thinking about it, some habits are mostly forced. Most habits, like people don't even like do them willingly. If you think about like religion in, in itself, like people have to force themselves to actually pray. <laughs> Most of them don't enjoy it or they don't want to do it to begin with. Eventually what happens is it becomes habit, so habitual that you don't, you stop thinking about it. And, and I think that's the moment where, you know, the key element of what you're mentioning becomes really important. It's like the moment you stop exerting your will, is the moment it started losing it a little bit of the flavor. That's the moment where perhaps you have to move on to another habit or another practice that can allow you to, you know, exert your will. And I, and I really like that because as you were talking, I, and I, I wonder, maybe some of you guys are asking, like, what does this have anything to do with fulfilling work? And I believe it has everything to do with fulfilling work. I don't know if you've gotten this sense in your life that um, you are just a passenger and then you have like it, everything is just moving and you're just like there, like going with the wind and like nothing, which is okay as long as you're aware that you're just going with the wind. But if you're not aware of that, what ends up happening is that your team tells you what to do and you just do that. At no point are you saying, you know what? I'm going to do this small thing that allows for my team to do better. And that satisfaction is so much greater. And, and it is something that I, 
I'm going to say I've, I've not always felt. And like you said, you, you, you leave and then you come back and then you leave and then you come back. And sometimes you see yourself like, wow, look at myself there burning. <laughs> like I, I look, it looks, it looks like it's very painful, but uh, I'm, I'm all the way up here. So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but it, it, it does bother you. And I really like uh, Simon, what you were mentioning, because you need to have the humility to understand that this is a process. So I wanted to ask you, a lot of people would say, oh, wow, you know, you have all these practices and in the shower and here and there, it seems like all day long, you are all Zen and like you're just floating around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get like, one of the children in here and they can tell you what I'm really like. Yes. And it's like, it's like when, when you see it and children are amazing because all of a sudden they like, they trigger all these like automatic responses that you have in your soul. And then you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm a terrible human being. How... How, how, how do you help yourself to, to kind of like live through that, live through the realities of the things that perhaps take you uh, to places where you don't want to be uh, as a human being, as a professional? How do you, how do you help yourself coming back and, and saying, yes, I, I do understand I'm not perfect, but I need, to, I need to grow. I need to be better. Yeah. So I think two main things come to mind is self-acceptance. Okay, uh, ideas like you are enough as you are, and uh, that helps with facing failure or potential failure. So you need to try things. And, and one of the main things that you're going to get when you try something is failure. You're going to fail more often than you succeed, most likely. If you're not failing, you're not probably not trying anything um, substantial. Um, I think the other thing is uh essentially who confidants are very valuable right people that you can confide in people that you can tell the truth to and i think this is where courage comes again there in the early parts of my life there are things that i wouldn't even allow to be said in my own inner monologue right i didn't want them to be true if i didn't say them maybe they would be it would be like they're not true totally doesn't work Right. Those, those thoughts are there. They're in your muscles. They're in your nervous system, right? They're in your gut. They're everywhere. If you don't let them into your mind, they're still there. And if you don't let them into your mind, you can't work with them. And one of the most effective ways of getting your thoughts up out of your body and into your mind and working with them, I find for me, is to find someone that you can tell that thought to. And sometimes, you know, even just the act of speaking takes all the power out of the thought. You know, you've said it now. I've accepted that is a truth. This is actually not that bad. <laughs> yeah. And especially if that person can just say, yeah, yeah, I can see that's how you feel. Yeah, you feel that that happened to you. And, you know, this thing happened to you. You didn't like it. And now you feel this way. Yeah. Seems like you're not enjoying that very much. And you go, yeah, I'm not enjoying it very much. You go, oh, well, you know, you've said it. Now, you don't even have to follow on from that, just saying it. So, yeah, I think the self-acceptance, and if you can get acceptance from somebody else, someone who really listens, and that could be your partner, it could be a friend, it could be your mum, it could be your sister, it could be someone at work. And I think the more that you can develop a good experience of that, and the more that you can bring that to other groups that you're in, I think trying to, you were saying like, how does this all relate to fulfillment? If you can find a group of people where there is no difference between 
who you really feel you are and how you behave with that group of people. For me, that's one of the most fulfilling things, right? These, I have these people, they understand me, they know me, and even though they know me, they accept me. That's, I think, yeah, I would love for everyone to have that. And that is fantastic. That that gives you a, a level of psychological freedom that allows you to to create. And and I, I believe, I personally believe, all, all human beings are creators, and and we are craftsmen. Uh, uh, and and I think that the more freedom we have, the more ability we have to actually like exert in the world. Like you said, our will. And sometimes our will. And it's 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 amazing. And I have this story that perhaps people are gonna say like, oh my god, Eddie, sorry, you shouldn't have shared about that, but. I'm going to share it. And it's um, when I was very little and, and I love my mother, of course, and um, we all make mistakes as parents. But I remember I was something like six years old and I wrote a poem. <laughs> and this is a very cheesy poem. Of course, I'm six years old. And I go to my mother and I say, mom, look at the, 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 the poem I made. And she goes to me and she's like, oh, my God, that's so cheesy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like... Uh, from that moment on, I was like, I am no poet. I, I'm going to stop this thing. Like, yeah. I remember that moment being that's so... That's what you learned. And, and that's, that's, that, that does affect you in, in, in your life. And, and I understand that today. Um, but it's very important for all of us as well to realize how our context, like, really either constrains us or amplifies us. And, and what you're saying is completely, like, on point. Like, if you have a context that aligns with your values and that aligns with your vision, you're all of a sudden amplified. And, and that is like the place where we want to be. And, and I'm saying this because I, I also wanted to hear your perspective, um, you know, on, on, you know, toxic uh, people and negativity. And, mm. and I do understand that, you know, when, when you're not fully self-aware, you will spend a lot of time having like um, mind conversations, I guess, and you, mm. you talk to a lot of people and like they are not there, but you're like this you're you're having fights with them and you see people in the streets, right? Like they're you look at they're like they are just having this conversation in their mind, having the fight with someone else. They're having work fights, they're having meetings, <laughs> they're having a meeting yeah, yeah. before the meeting happens, and like all of this is happening, and sometimes that is that's exacerbated when you have a lot of toxic people around you. So I want yeah. to hear your perspective about how to deal with negativity and toxicity uh, in the workplace or in your life? Well, we're really going to have things sorted out by the end of this conversation, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so uh, you remind me about Eckhart Tolle again, and uh, he describes the majority of people most of the time are mind identified, right? So your mind is where your thoughts happen. And you lose your own true identity and your connection to your true self when you become identified with the thoughts in your mind which are you know what that person did was wrong they should never have said that thing or I have, if i had that time again i would say this and then they'd be sorry those kinds of things um i think for me and again i'm making myself out to look like a saint but within the context of this conversation i'll be a saint and then i'll go and like kick the cat and shout my children away. yes um uh if you are fortunate enough to have done, had the time to do the work and had the guidance to do the work, to be the sort of person who can see that somebody else is mind identified and swept away by negative thoughts, then if you've cultivated that ability to just accept the world as it is, then all that's happening is 
here is a person who is mind identified and is feeling very negative and is talking to themselves negatively or acting aggressively or and then the only question that ever makes any sense is okay if all of that is true what seems like the best thing that i can do now so if you're in danger get yourself out of danger if you're not in danger and you feel any empathy towards the person, maybe there's a way that you can help them. Perhaps you could listen to what they're saying. You might be the first person that they meet that week, that month, who's actually gonna to listen to what they're saying. Maybe, maybe you could do that for them, you know? So how to deal with negativity without appearing like a self-satisfied, you know, <laughs> it's hard, it is hard. Um, I think I appear quite smug sometimes and it doesn't do me any favours. Um, it all comes back to acceptance of the world as it is and making your own decisions about what seems like the best thing. Can you increase the amount of happiness in the I would like there to be more happiness in the world. That's one of, I think, when I really, really get down to it, what do I want? I want a life where I don't have to exert too much effort. I would like to be surrounded by people who are happy and like to do things to make other people be happy. If I can find that group of people, that's my place, right? Um, so in situations where someone's being negative, how do I increase happiness? Given that all of this is true and this person is not coping, how do I increase happiness? And if you can just accept things how they are rather than resisting them, then you'll be more focused on the opportunities that you have to help and improve things than you will be on being right or, you know, punishing someone for behaving in a way that you don't like or something like that. So yeah, that's the best I can come up with. I'm, I don't know if it's enough. If everyone could do it, maybe it would be. <laughs> yes, it might, it might, it might be. Uh, and Simon, I'm, I'm going to say this, this, this is wonderful. Uh, we could talk for hours. Uh, definitely. You need to bring your family all the way to Colombia to enjoy <laughs> the nice Caribbean uh, warm seas that we have over here. Uh, perhaps we can have a remote uh, work uh, retreat uh, but uh, but you're right Walter Walter is saying it's a lot of questions and a, and a short time uh, time is becoming very short I want to thank everyone who is uh, watching this if you have any questions please uh, put them uh, on the chat uh, Simon I want to be very respectful with your time where can we find you where can we find uh, you know the company uh, how can we get involved Okay, so uh, remotify.work is the URL. Um, and there's also uh, stuff happening on LinkedIn. That's where most of my kind of PR, if you like, effort is going at the moment. Uh, the company's quite new. So I, I was doing the uh, work at Ocado until the end of last year. Um, I created the company just before COVID struck and then everybody went home and <laughs> everything changed. It would have been nice to have got my ducks in a row before all that happened. Um, so yeah, uh, remotify.work and LinkedIn, I think are the main places. I don't have a Twitter presence as of yet. I'm not sure what's gonna happen there. And uh, on remotify.work, uh, there is a button. You can get a 30 minute slot in my calendar if you would like to talk about what's happening for you, uh, how the team that you work in or the company that you work in can unlock the benefits of remote work um, and how that can help you get to higher levels of performance, higher levels of satisfaction uh, than hopefully ever before, I think, uh, then yeah, I would love to find out what's happening for people. 
Uh, so yeah, on the website, there's a button for that. You can you can get a meeting with me or send me a message on LinkedIn. Excellent. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, and I think that the last thing that perhaps I personally want to ask, and I always do this, uh, there is always like a, my my own uh, indulgence uh, type of question. You you earlier were mentioning um, but you are the opposite of a, a nomad. And um, and I know this is going to be a difficult, uh, deep question, but that's, that's exactly why I want to ask it. Um, I've, I've talked to some digital nomads in, in, in this show, and, and now that we're in, in this context, they can tr travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that they have faced is that now some might not feel very free because uh, the traveling made them feel like they were free. And someone would say, well, don't you feel kind of like trapped that you are always in the same spot and that you're always in the same house? And now that we're facing this, like that might be a reality for a lot of people. Um, how, do you, how do you experience uh, uh, freedom? Um, and and what, is, what is freedom in, in your mind? Because you, you just said you are the opposite of a nomad mm -hmm. uh, or it feels like you're the opposite of a nomad. How do you experience freedom in that regard? That is a really good question. I wish I could give it some more thought. I'm going to have to come up with an answer now. Um, okay. How do I, how I experience freedom? For me, I think it comes back to the thing I was talking about before, which is um, I want to be seen as I am and to be accepted as I am. And I can start by doing that for myself. So when I feel free, for example, I cry a lot. I cry at films, I cry at books, I cry whenever I'm proud of my children, right? And quite often, you'll be, I'll be in a situation where I'll be trying not to because it doesn't seem acceptable. And for me, that is a lack of freedom. If I'm with my close friends, if I'm with my family, I'll cry. Right, I love I love a good cry. <laughs> it's so it's so useful as well. Keeps me in good condition, I think. Um, uh, so yeah, for me, it's that. I think it's to do with expression, freedom to express who I am. That's what I want. Excellent. And I think that freedom to express who you are doesn't depend on which country you're on or if you're able to hop on a plane or not. Uh, so I think I think that's great, Simon. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and thank you all guys, uh, all of you for, for joining us uh, today. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I think we're going to need to have you back, Simon. I don't know if you speak Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? I'm afraid not. <laughs> Well, but then, then, then we'll, we'll want you to come to Latin America and, and perhaps do this, this show from Latin America. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Remodify.org, Simon Dealey. If you know uh, a bit of what we do, you also know that we're going to be sharing this over IGTV, over LinkedIn, and the podcast that's going to come out very, very soon. Um, I'm very grateful that we had the chance to, to connect, Simon. I will try to find you in, in all of the other places that I don't yet have you for social media, and I hope we can continue growing in this journey of um, you know, self-awareness and, and, and also uh, uh, consciousness. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, to mention to, to those that are listening to this? No, no, thank you. I, thank you very much for those excellent questions. I really enjoyed this conversation.
Fantastic, Simon. Thank you, everyone. Loretto, uh, Amilcar, Walter, those of you guys that have made comments, I know you're there every single day. And I hope to see you all uh, on Monday. Have a fantastic and fulfilling weekend, everyone. Simon, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.